listening to episode 28, chapter 5 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Andre Snavely is passionate about reaching the lost with spirit-empowered training, resourcing, and equipping for Acts 1-8 Ministries. As an author, missionary, and theologian, Dr. Snavely and his wife Darla have been in ministry together for nearly 30 years. Serving in pastoral ministry and as a professor of Bible, theology, and ministry at Central Bible College and Global University. They currently live in Brussels, Belgium, where Dr. Snavely serves as professor of theology at Continental Theological Seminary. And Darla serves with Breaking Chains, a ministry that helps women escape prostitution. His book, Life in the Spirit, explores what the church would look like if Christians saw their lives as totally dependent on the Spirit's presence, to live as Jesus lived. We each have a vision for how we think our lives should play out. We have ideas about how quickly we should progress in our careers, when we should get married, and what size house we should own. So when those visions don't come to fruition, we feel dissatisfied or unsuccessful in life. But following Jesus flips this dissatisfaction. As we grow in Him, we slowly learn to be content with what we have and where God has us serving. But at the same time, as Dr. Snavely elaborates in this chapter, a new dissatisfaction takes its place. We begin to yearn for more of God's presence in our lives. And the more of Him we find, the deeper we want to go. You know, I've told uh, my wife Darla numerous times uh, in the past few years, I thought, well, by this time in our life, you know, we'd be settled and, you know, we'd have things mapped out, you know, like the good, you know, all the all-American dream is, you know, to settle into your later years, you know, with everything mapped out. But I'm, but this whole process of going into missions, itinerating, and going to Brussels, Belgium, and being thrown into a, a whole other world again at this stage in my life, and um, basically researching and writing in areas that or outside, you know, or there, there are further developments of what I've done already, but um, it's like, where's that elusive, you know, settling for uh, the common, the, the familiar? And it's like, back to what you say, Josh, is um, this is a process that I've thought many times about it during this whole journey in missions, is that there never should come a time where we feel satisfied. Mm. You know? Unpack that. Well, Augustine said, you know, our, I don't know the exact phrase, you might know the phrase, but, you know, we're, we're restless. Mm-hmm. Our lives are restless until we find our rest in Thee. Mm. And I think there's been this quest in Western uh, culture and theology that uh, and I think it's just human too. It's not just us, but it's just human that we want to have that. We want to have safety. We want to have security. We want to have everything mapped out, planned out, and and that's really uh, you think about it. That's an American ideal. It's an American value that gets instilled at us in a very early age. And and um, and I have to say we've struggled. Uh, Darla struggled. I've struggled with it to think that 
the the struggle is God's will. Yeah. And it's like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. That puts a whole nother dynamic on living in the spirit. Yeah. Uh, to do what the Father wants us to do that might okay, here's here's the difference between Jesus being an example and Jesus being the prototype. Prototype more accurately portrays that in working Jesus. So prototype, he's the first of ones to come. He's the older brother. Uh, he's the one who first inherits the inheritance, and then he gives it to his younger siblings. But um, then in, in seeing all of that, then uh, the struggles in Jesus's life are also the prototype, mm-hmm. so that um, it won't look exactly like Jesus. In fact, it's amazing that Paul does not even take really one thing of how Jesus lived his lifestyle and then mandated it to the early Christians. Yeah. There's, only, there's only areas. Mm-hmm. Um, the breaking down of barriers, the, the, um, the sharing, the koinonia fellowship in the early church, um, you know the you know we can go on and on about that, but but those are never prescribed in detail, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't matter what culture, what race, what language, uh, the spirit does the same thing, but it might look differently. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's good news for me, yeah, and all of us, I think, because. Uh, but it also doesn't let us get off the hook either, yeah. <laughs> because then we have to go day by day by day on this journey, the struggle, saying, "Spirit, what do you want to? What part of Jesus's life, or how do you want to work Jesus's life in me today?" Yeah. So, and here's a practical thing that I started praying a few years ago in the early mornings when I pray through my prayers and I pray for everybody in their family and I pray for um, other people needs, special needs. Inevitably, I have I come back to this same prayer. Father, do the work of your son Jesus in their lives by your spirit. In other words, do your sonship in them. Now, I don't know where I'm praying. I prayed that prayer for myself, and I've thought later, oh, that's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> you think? Yeah. yeah. You don't know the full implications of Never. that. <laughs> Never. Never. But you know what? It's such a incredible life to live day by day. And we've had struggles this last year in being in Brussels. And we're back here in the States this summer raising more support to stay in Brussels for the long term. So we transferred to the Europe region when we went over there last fall because of the great need. And Darla's involved in breaking chains which is a network that helps women get out of prostitution. And um, that's legal in in Europe, sadly. But yet, uh, boy, we have faced some obstacles. And what is so amazing, though, is when, you know, we've caught on to this. It's very humbling in the same way, too, that I'm like, I feel very fortunate Mm -hmm. because when we go through struggles and trials, challenges. It's like, I know now that this is not an aberration Mm -hmm. 
where some people I know go through struggles and trials in life and they think, well, I've lost it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not normal for a Christian. This is not a, according to my view of what I've always been taught as what it means to be a Christian in America. Yeah. Um, but it, it, at the same time, it might just be God doing them a favor and doing all of us a favor and saying, yeah, you need to change your paradigms. Yes. Because that's the wrong paradigm and the work of the Spirit doing Jesus in your life to obey the Father mm. is the biblical paradigm yep. of how we think of ourselves and our tri- trials, trials and struggles. And so when I'm going through a trial or a struggle, now it's almost like, wow, I can't wait to see how God answers this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because he has. Just this year, we were praying about some things that were like, there is no way possible I can even find a solution for that. I wouldn't think about it. I wouldn't come up with that kind of solution because there is no way that's going to happen. Hmm. Boom. It happens like in one day, one phone call, and you're like, wow. you're sitting back and you're thinking, how did God, how did he do it? Mm-hmm. But you know, in our lives... That is what God wants. Our witness to people in the world that say you can really you can really turn loose of your own life. You really can repent of your sin, of your pride, your arrogance, your self-will, and pray the prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden. Lord, I'd rather this not happen to me. God, Father, I'd rather this not happen to me. But nevertheless, your will be done. And so when we pray that prayer, and I know we've, there's been things that happened in my, our lives uh, I can't even begin to talk about here, but um, we've had some tremendous trials and tragedies, uh, still ongoing type of situations, family and friends. But uh, one thing we've learned is that no matter what happens outside, the real work of the Spirit is what happens inside Mm -hmm. to our lives. We cannot control what happens to other people. We cannot control situations, but yet when we trust God, He has met every single one of our needs, and He will in the future, and we can say that no matter what happens in this life, like Paul, I think I can at least understand if I can't feel, you know, totally yet, uh, whether I be in this body or be absent from this body, um, that's that's God's will, mm-hmm. whatever that might be. Um, I'd rather go, but for you, I'd rather stay. But uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord anyway. So that takes a confidence and an understanding that's not humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And so it is a process, yeah. you know. Paul might not have said that the day after his Damascus road, but by the time he was in prison, yeah. years and years and years later, he came to that point, and it was all because of the journey that he went on. Yeah, and I think that is such an encouraging point. One that we've actually tried to hit on for the last few months is that, man, I wish this was just a norm in the church, that we would mm. actually just say, you know what, the struggle that you're going through right now is terrible. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. And there's, it seems like there's almost no reason that you should be enduring this. There's mm-hmm. trials and tragedies like you're talking about. You've endured some of the worst that mm-hmm. I can imagine, you and your family. And yet to understand that 
the struggle that you are currently engaged with is actually part of the process. Right. You're not off course. No, You're not at exactly all. exactly where you should be in that struggle. Mm-hmm. And because you're where God has you, he's going to see you through it. You know what's so exciting about that is because I talk to pastors now, and I did just this weekend, a guy I'd known since I was in high school, and we were talking about just briefly, and he told me, um, just one aspect of what we've talked about here to, uh, this time, but he said, that's exactly what our church has been going through the last few years. And I think he was so excited to hear someone talk about it in a, in a level that gave him some framework, because a lot of people are out there, even pastors are out there, and what's exciting, though, is that I'm hearing it, and even I heard it from him uh, in, the, in the message that he gave at the church, is that what you're saying is beginning to really happen. Awesome. You know, we might see it slowly, yeah. but I think, and it might just be a sign that we're living in the last day and, and God's getting his church ready, but I think it's also the, uh, the um, implications, too, of what's going on in our culture that's forcing people to think this way, even if they've never thought this way. Mm-hmm. And it's unsettling to some people. And I think the excitement is when they start saying, like what you're saying, well, is this normal? Well, what if it is normal? Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing that from time to time, different places I go. I'll hear this from one or I hear that from another. And, and so I think as, you know, people are, you know, doomsday forecasters and they're, you know, some people are nostalgic. They're wanting to go back. I'm thinking that we're approaching one of the greatest opportunities the church has ever seen in America. Because when uh, pastors and preachers and and even just Christians um, in the church doing the work of the ministry, um, in their families, wherever they go, when they start catching on to some of these concepts, their witness is going to be so much more dynamically anointed by the Spirit that I think we could be seeing um, a future revival mm-hmm. that could be unprecedented in our country, uh, because I see, I feel the personal uh, strength that I gain in my witness by some of these ideas, mm-hmm. and and I see it in others too when they say, "Wow, this has really emboldened me to share my faith and not be ashamed of the struggles, not be ashamed." Of, of a trial that I've gone through, but to lift the Lordship of Jesus Christ even higher than what I've done before. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's going to take for people who are so far from God, no idea who God is, for them to see Jesus in us. Mm-hmm. And when they see Jesus in us, and then they hear the message, and it, and it is compatible, and when, when the two match, yeah. that's powerful. Yeah, one yeah. of the things that uh, some of millennials get a bad rap lately. I mean, mm-hmm. we're the entitled generation. We like to kind of lay everything out on the table as is and say, "This is it. Accept me for who I am." Right. Um, if we if we look at the way Western culture is kind of becoming more and more like the world, and the church is kind of starting to to pull away from that, mm-hmm. I honestly think that God has created the millennial generation 
to lay all of that out on the table and uncover just how worldly the world is and just how otherworldly otherworldly Christians can be. Exactly. It's kind of it's kind of like laying everything out for everyone to see. I mean, millennials are so proud of being able to say this is who I am, flaws and all. Mm-hmm. Which is so unlike what the baby boomer generation did in the American church. Oh, yeah. It was let's cover it all up and let's exactly. keep a, a nice, tidy semblance of morals and values and good behavior on the outside. And the privacy, too. Yeah. That, yeah. that was a very uh, noble thing for generations past, but I think a very, uh, sadly, a very uh, diminishing aspect to the Christian's witness. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah, what did Paul say? He'd boast in. Yeah, my weaknesses. My weaknesses. Because they're, they're the opportunity for Christ's That's right. power to show through. That's right. And for millennials, I think the the, da- the worldly side of that is to revel in our weaknesses mm-hmm. and claim them as a sign of our own strength. Or at least claim the reveling yeah. in our weakness as a sign of strength. Yeah. Where I think God is creating this great opportunity in the Western church is he's allowing those weaknesses to come out which gives the church an opportunity to say, yep, we're weak, but mm-hmm. we know the one who is powerful, and we That's know the right. one who has grace for our weaknesses and who leads us and guides us. And uh, to borrow from C.S. Lewis's imagery, he's not a tame lion, <laughs> but he is good. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And so the journey yeah. that he's going to lead us on is, is not one that's going to be easy or safe or anything like that. But like you were saying, man, can we trust in that? Mm-hmm. We can really trust in him to be good. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's just that's exciting because I think that um, the church is, is going to be able to be impacted by the millennial generation. I really see that happening today. Yeah, I see it happening. And so many young people are so on, so on fire for God, and the work of missions around the world is being infused. I am so encouraged by all the young people going into missions. And I'm honored myself to have former students literally all over the world now. And, uh, but to see them carrying on, seeing you guys carrying it on, what you're doing in your powerful ministries, um, you know, just gives me more fuel for motivation for my fire to, to do even more that I can in, you know, whatever time God has left for us. But uh, anyway, so thank you guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, where can people go to find a copy of your book and uh, uh, follow what you're doing, follow your work, and uh, okay. even contribute to your ministry? Yeah. Well, uh, my dissertation was published by Whip and Stock. It can also be found on, uh, of course, Amazon. It's called Life in the Spirit, a post-Constantinian and Trinitarian account of the Christian life. And believe it or not, we hit those topics in this conversation. Okay, we yes, just didn't we did. use those words. <laughs> That's, <but>. right. <laughs> That's right. So uh, you can find them there, and then um, and also for our missions, we have a Facebook page, uh, Andre Darla Snavely, and then also uh, developing a website, and so that'll uh, come around uh, hopefully sooner than later. So, uh, but you can also for now you can go to the AGWM mission page. Our own individual giving page is s1.ag.org forward slash Snavely. And there you can 
set up a recurring commitment monthly uh, with a credit card, debit card, whatever, and uh, and also maybe just give a one-time gift to our ministry, or you could even, which we'd love people to do, is sign up as a prayer partner. Yeah. Because, you know, like we've talked about here, uh, we've really come to the belief, I have personally, that prayer is what starts it all. Mm-hmm. And we have people praying for us on a regular basis. And the strongholds that we face in Europe, especially Darla going down into the red light district and you know, with the, the team of the Breaking Chains, uh, that is a ministry that is only going to be impactful by the power of the Spirit through prayer. Mm-hmm. And even what we're doing at Continental Theological Seminary, uh, the students going out, uh, that is uh, impacted by prayer initially. So anyway, uh, yeah, they can go to those places and uh, get updates and uh, even, um, you know, uh, on the Facebook. And uh, we have individual Facebooks, too. So you can go to mine, Andre Snavely. You can go to my wife, Darla Snavely, uh, make friends with us. And, um, you know, we can send uh, get your email and send out uh, quarterly uh, yeah, join the newsletter. newsletter to, yeah. yeah, things like awesome. that. Mm-hmm. We'll have links to everything in the show notes, like always. Okay. So you can just go to the show notes, click on a link. It'll take you right over there. And I would like to really encourage you guys, if if you feel so led, this ministry is a wonderful ministry to, to give to. And so if, if the Lord has really moved you by their their story, and I, and I promise you this is really just the tip of the iceberg, and, and the, the work that these guys are doing is, in, is incredible. So um, please consider supporting their ministry. Um, over there at the AG website that uh, Dr. Snavely said. So uh, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, thank you. I know you. we could just continue to c- talk about this stuff <laughs> yes, for hours, and trust me, we have. So, <laughs> yes. But this has been a great time to catch up. Thank you so much. It's been an honor, and I just pray for your ministries as well. They flourish and are blessed in years to come. Thank you so much. The life satisfied in Christ is one where we completely abandon our own desires and instead choose to submit to the work of the Spirit in our lives. And when we talk about Spirit Christology, we're not talking about some theoretical understanding of how Jesus lived his life. If you've picked up on anything from this entire conversation, I hope it's this. You and I can do nothing on our own to become more like Jesus and to submit to God's will for our lives. That transformation has to come through the work of the Spirit in our lives. If you're going to follow the example of Jesus, imitate the way he did everything through the work of the Spirit in his life. And to wrap up this conversation, I want to challenge you to do something that may take a little bit of time. I want you to read the entire book of Luke. And as you read, pay careful attention to the times Luke says Jesus was led by the Spirit. Pay careful attention to the ways everything in Jesus' life was led by the Holy Spirit. Understanding Jesus' life in this way is liberating. It removes the burden of daily growth from your shoulders and puts it back on God where it belongs in the first place. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. 
It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. You can find out more about Andre and Darla's missionary work by clicking the Facebook link in the show notes. If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.